And so uh, last week we started a new series called uh, Make Room. And uh, I think it's so beautiful that we just sang about that, about making room uh, for God in our lives. And the truth is, Christmas time is a season where we get really busy with a lot of really good stuff, but maybe uh, we clutter up uh, the essentials of Christmas. And how oftentimes when we get to Christmas Day, I'm left, maybe you're left to feeling tired and worn out, and it's like, it just got away from me. Where did it go? And so we want to be a people, we want to be a family, a community that makes room for the things that matter most this Christmas season. And so that's kind of where we've been building. That's what we started last week. And so uh, we'll take another step in that this morning. But um, around the Hikibine house, uh, you get a, a lot, a whole heck of a lot of really, really questionable parental advice. It's, it's marginal at best on a good day. And uh, one of those is kind of our normal bedtime routines where uh, I go in and I tuck my two girls into bed and I go into Ryan's room and ever since she was born, I've told her the exact same thing. And I don't know if it's great parenting, but I hug her, I kiss her, and I tell her, Ryan, you are my all-time favorite. And then I kiss her, and then I go into her sister's room. And I grab Maggie up, and I say, Maggie, you, girl, are my all-time favorite. And I love you, and I kiss her, and I say goodnight. And oftentimes when we think about, like, God, like the favorite or the favor on somebody, we think that it's like it can only be on one person. And that's just not true, because as parents, you know that all of your kids are your favorite, Like you love them as that the top of the list is where your kids are at. You just love them. And uh, this morning, I want us to be wrestling with that idea because it's, it's absolutely foundational for us to begin to wrap our brains around what it means to have God's favor rest on us. What it means for God to pull us in and say, oh, you're my favorite. I love you. How do we understand what it means for the favor of God to rest on us. I believe it's one of the most um, misunderstood and possibly dangerous understandings, uh, really in the whole scripture, that God's favor would rest on you. And so this morning, we're going to jump into the scriptures, and we're going to look at the story of Mary, and we're going to look at how uh, what the favor of God looked like in her life, and what it empowered her to do in the Christmas story. And so today, real specifically, I'm going to ask you, would you be willing to make room for the favor of God on your life? And so this morning, turn with me over to Luke chapter 1, and we are going to be uh, starting in verse 26 this morning. And uh, if you don't have your uh, Bibles with you, you can follow along with me on the Bible app Uh, You can go to the Central Hub and just scroll to the bottom, click on it, and it'll have all my teaching notes, places for you to take notes as well, and email them back to yourself or follow up at a later point, but uh, it's a great resource. But Luke Luke 1, starting in verse 26, it says this. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named 
Joseph. He was a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, all throughout the Older Testament, uh, uh, or I like to say the First Testament, the consistency is there every single time. When people have an encounter with an angel, what do they do? They fall to the ground in terror, and they're afraid, and they're petrified and feared, filled with fear at this angelic being. And so Mary doesn't just have some angel show up. She has El Jefe show up. I mean, she has uh, the boss, the head honcho. She has Gabriel show up for this announcement. And just like, what's Mary going to do? Just like everybody else throughout the course of the scripture has done, Mary's going to fall on her face in terror and fear, right? Okay, so let's look what she does. Verse 29 says this. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, and she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She was troubled and filled with wonder. Troubled and wonder. Troubled, wonder. Wonder, troubled. Troubled, wonder. And all of that is uh, boiling around in there. But what you do notice is what Mary doesn't do. Like every other, real specifically, this one's for the ladies, like every other man throughout the course of Scripture, she doesn't fall to the face in terror. She does this. Mm, what did you just say again? She pauses and is like, mm, tell me that one more time. I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. And this is, uh, as you will see in just a second, this is part of Mary's grit. And it's part of Mary's character that you'll see in these next couple of passages. So hold on to that. But look at what it says. It says she was troubled at his words. And honestly, up until this point, the angel hasn't said Jack yet. All this angel has done is come to her and said a couple of things. Well, first of all, hello. And then second of all, you are highly favored and God is with you. Okay? Highly favored, God is with you, and it freaks Mary out. She is troubled and filled with wonder at the announcement of God's favor and God's presence on her life. God's favor and presence have filled her with angst and trouble, and she's wondering what in the world is going on. So let's keep reading and see how it unfolds. Jump down to verse 30 with me. But the angel, again, repeats, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor. The favor of God rests on you. So why is Mary so troubled? Because she has been told that the favor of God has descended on her and that the presence of God is with her. And she's troubled. She's filled, filled with wonder. Look at verse 31. Now, this is when the trouble starts. <laughs> You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great and be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of your father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. Now, Mary's, Mary's response, well, how will this be? Now, what's interesting about this is if you know the story of Zechariah, when the angel comes back to Zechariah, he doubts and he's silenced uh, for the remainder of the pregnancy of his wife. 
But here, Mary doesn't doubt what's going to happen. All she says is, how will this be? Not, this can't be, but how will this be? And then she says, because I am a virgin. That's what she says. Now, uh, up until this point, you see that the favor of God is resting on her at the announcement of this birth. And so what's interesting to me is that Mary is less troubled by the announcement of virgin birth and more troubled by the favor of God and the presence of God on her life. That's funny. That is really funny to me. That out of all of these things that she has to be troubled about, what is most troubling to Mary is favor of God, presence of God on her life. Not the virgin birth because she says, okay, well, how will this be? But the presence in the favor of God on her is disturbing to her. And so look at what it says. Verse 35, the angel said to her, he clears things up for her, the Holy Spirit will come on you and he will overpower you, overpower, uh, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And Mary says, well, great, that clears it all up for me. Thank you. And uh, uh, we call the, yeah, so the Holy One will be called the Son of the Most High. Verse 36. Now, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child at, this, at her old age. And Mary must have been thinking, what is going on? Everybody be getting pregnant around here. Like, everybody's don't drink the water. Something is in the water, you guys. Everybody's getting pregnant. Even Elizabeth, and she old. I mean, she's way past childbearing age, and she is giving birth. Don't touch the water. Something is in the water. And keep going in verse 36. And it says, and she will be, una- and she will be able to conceive, and she who said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month, for no word of God will ever fail. And now what I think is probably some of the most shocking scripture, guys, I've ever seen all throughout the scripture. Probably some of the most shocking from Genesis to Revelation is found right here. Look what Mary says. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. In this, she essentially steps forward and says, I'm all in. I am all in. And the part in this that bothers her the most, if you read it very carefully, the part in here that bothers her the most is the presence and the favor of God resting on her. Even more so than the announcement of a virgin birth. Because what does it say at the beginning? Terrified and wondered at this announcement of God's favor and God's presence. Why is she terrified? Here's what I think she understands, is that the favor and presence of God is not neutral. The favor and presence of God on your life is not passive. It is actually, uh, uh, it should demand a response. It expects something out of you. It actually empowers Mary to walk out what this this road, this path that is unfolding inside of her, it actually means the favor of God in your life means that God is up to something in your life. 
that he has something for you to do, that you are useful, that you are a part of the kingdom, and that you're invited, that you get to play in God's economy, that you play a specific role. And in the middle of all of this, Mary is deeply troubled at the favor and the presence of God at the announcement of this angel. So what do you do with that? What do you do with the presence and favor of God resting on your life? Because I believe it comes with very, very specific implications. And I want to highlight just a few of those for us this morning. And let me be real clear. This is my rough draft um, because it's been really something uh, difficult for me to think about, think about and to wrap my brain around about the favor of God resting on me. And so what I'm laying out this morning, honestly, is my rough draft. And I would love the conversation about, hey, how do you understand this? But I believe just from Mary's story, I want to make a few just observations about what the favor of God in your life actually looks like. And so here we go. The favor of God. I want to start with like the, the 20,000 foot view and then we'll dial it in and get real specific with us this morning. But the first thing I want you to know about the favor of God is this. It's for everyone. It is, that's a misspelling, it is for everyone. The favor of God is for everyone and for you too. Now, oftentimes, here's the truth. Whenever we talk about the love of God is for everybody, God loves everybody, it's very tempting for us to say, yes, God loves everybody, but does he really love me too? We don't make that personal enough. And when we talk about the favor of God, it is not just this nebulous general idea like God's favor is on you on everybody, but it's also for you specifically. You sitting in your chair right now, God's favor is for you. Now, here's the idea. Now, every night when I grab my girls and I whisper in their ear, you're my all-time favorite. You know what the implications are for her sister? Well, hey, if she's dad's favorite, that must mean that I am not dad's favorite. Like, God's not cheering, John's not cheering me on. He is not for me. God, John's blessing, whatever. Because if John's favorite is Ryan, is, does that mean that Maggie's not dad's favorite too? Of course not. That's not the way it works in God's economy. God's economy is bottomless and his favor is for everyone. And what shocks Mary is, is that the favor of God is not just for everybody, it's for her. It's for her in a very, very, very personal way. And I don't think we understand this. From Genesis to Revelation, the story, the overarching story, is that God's favor rests on humanity. That from Genesis to Revelation, the whole Bible is this image that God is for his creation. He is absolutely for us. And I think that we don't understand that very well. We have an unbiblical understanding of it. And we say things like this. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Now, is it true? Yes, it's true. Absolutely. But that's not the identity that, that God has asked you to take on. It's not what scripture is thrusting forward. The identity that scripture is thrusting forward is that when God looks at his creation, that when God looks at you, he says, it is good. 
that his favor is actually for his creation. Yes, you are a sinner saved by grace, but that's not identity. The identity is God's favor, God's favor, God's favor. God is for you, God is for you, God is for you, God is for you. God is for you in a very, very personal way. God insists that his favor is for all humanity. And that doesn't mean that he likes all of the decisions that I make, all of the choices that I'm going to make, the destructive habits and patterns and thoughts that I have in my life. But it does mean that fundamentally there is a God that is not against you, that he's not disappointed in you, that he doesn't look at you but in disappointment, but that he's a God that always says, come on, come on home. Come on home, y'all. Come on home. This is where you belong. Let me wrap my... That is the favor of God on every single one of, every single one of us. And people tend to get really bent out of shape when we talk about the favor of God on somebody's life. When anybody talks about like the favor of God, no, 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 listen, it's the favor of God on you. I want to be very clear about, about, about what that actually is. Because when we understand God's favor resting on humanity, or on you specifically, oftentimes what we do is, is we take the world's definition of favor and we just bring that right up under and we tuck it under our understanding of God's favor. And they are not the same thing. Not the same thing. The world's understanding of favor and God's favor are not the same thing. The world's understanding of favor is what? Can we be real honest? Money, power, status, health, beauty, accumulating things. And what we tend to do is we tend to say, that's the world's understanding of favor, and what I'm going to do is just tuck that right up under God's, under our understanding of what God's favor is like. And we run into this very dangerous place where we have this understanding of what favor is and uh, using the world's definition of favor. Now, it's not about power, prestige, money, influence, health, your happiness. It is not. Listen, friends. This last week, many of you know that we lost a pillar in our church. I mean, a pillar of a woman. Pillar. And it has been profound to hear the stories that nobody else knew. To sit down with her husband and let, and he reads just her prayer journal over and over and over, talking about the goodness and the sweetness of God and how she's loving on people every single where she goes. And yet, by the world standards, honestly, if it's about wealth, health, and happiness, she didn't walk with the favor of God. She was taken in a very painful, sudden way last week. And I'll tell you right now that the favor of God was on that woman every single day of her life, from big first breath to last breath. And her life did not include, the, honestly, health. She struggled with MS for the last several years. And I'll tell you right now, the favor of God was dripping on that woman. And we have to be very, very, very careful not to take the world's understanding of the favor of God and tuck it up under what God's understanding of favor is. We have to be careful. We have to be careful about that. Okay, so if God's favor is for everyone, 
and it's for you too in a very personal way. God's favor is for everyone and for you too. What does that actually look like in your life? How does that actually, what, what do you do about that if it's personal for you? Here's the second thing I want to show you. Is I think the favor of God demands a response for you, from you. The favor of God demands a response. You can't understand that the favor of God is on your life and say, that is awesome, thank you. Can't do it. If the favor of God is resting on you, it's not passive, and it doesn't just sit back and kick back and enjoy. What do you see in the scripture with Mary? The, the favor of God demands a response for, from her. What does Paul say? If God is for us, who can be against us, right? The favor of God, let's be real clear, let's be real clear, demands a step of joyful obedience. Of joyful obedience. Joyful meaning that it's not based on your on happiness, which is based on what's happening, which is the circumstances that you found yourself in, but it's based on joy, and the scripture says, the joy of the Lord is my strength, and so my hope is found in understanding that I'm in right relationship, and I have joy because I'm anchored into Jesus, and so there's joy there, and I get to walk that out in obedience, and so I take a step of faith in obedience. Joyful obedience. We, it, the favor of God demands a step of joyful obedience. And that leaves us with a couple of pictures. So don't laugh at me this morning. I've been trying to do better about uh, giving pictures on Sunday morning of what this actually looks like. And there's two different pictures that I think it invokes in me when we start talking about uh, the favor of God and what that actually looks like in our lives. And so these are the two pictures uh, uh, ways that we can understand uh, moving forward and having a response to God's favor in our life. These are the two pictures. God's favor's on me. Woo! I tell you what, God is good. And I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to enjoy the... Ooh, that's going to get on me. <laughs> and I'm going to enjoy the favor of God. Because God's favor is good, and I know that God is for me. And so I'm just going to sit back, and I'm going to relax, and I'm not going to do anything, and nothing is expected of me, and I'm just going to enjoy. Hey, uh, honey, what time is the game on tonight? I'm just going to kick back, and I'm going to chill. Why? Well, because the favor of God's on me. God's favor's on me. And so, here I sit. Now, let's be honest. There's a lot of people that have this understanding that the favor of God is, you get to kick back now. You just get to sit back and enjoy. Now that God's favor rests on you, there's no response needed. Now, that is one option for us. If the favor of God demands a response, this is one picture. Here's the other picture. The other picture is this. Is that the favor of God actually empowers you to show up. Now listen, I haven't been in a fight in like 30 years. <laughs> Let me be honest. And I was never really good at it anyways. But, so I don't know what I'm doing, so don't laugh. But the favor of God on, on your life actually allows you 
to participate, to show up, to suit up, to get into the game, to get into life, and to take your swings, to take your punches, to make sure that you've got grit and to make sure you've got fight inside of you empowers you to walk out whatever is in front of you. When God's favor is on you, it empowers you to be somebody that ushers in the kingdom of heaven. When God's favor rests on you, it allows you to participate in the mission of God. When God's favor is on you, it allows you to love your spouse. When God's favor is on you, it allows you to love your kids, even during Christmas, right? When the power of God is on you, it allows you to love really difficult people. Even when they come against you, when they say things about you behind your back, when they say things, all sorts of horrible things about you, the favor of God actually empowers you to get into the ring and to compete, to take your swings, that you actually play a role in it. Now, what do we see the favor of God doing in Mary's life? When she has the favor of God rest on her, what does she do? It actually empowers her, and she says, here I am. Make me a servant. May it be as you said. It actually empowers her to lay down her life. The favor of God's friends, then, is what empowers her to go and tell Joseph. The favor of God allows her to go tell her parents this whopper of a story that, uh, from the announcement of the angel. The favor of God in her life allows her to go on a road trip cross-country at nine months pregnant. Favor of God. Favor of God allows you to suit up and to show up. And so here's the question. Honestly, honestly, stop. Like, which picture are you holding on to? Is this the picture that you hold of the favor of God in your life? Oh. All is good. All is right. Or does the favor of God actually invite you to compete, to suit up, to strap up, and to participate in the kingdom of heaven? There are many things uh, this holiday season that I think... Uh, are demanding my response. If God's favor rests on me, then that changes the way I understand this holiday season and the circumstances that I will be walking into with my family, with my friends, and all of that. It's going to look really different. Why? Because the favor of God demands a response, and when God's favor rests on you, it actually empowers you to take a step of joyful obedience. Riverside, friends, this morning, you need to hear this. The favor of God is not neutral. The favor of God is not passive in your life. The favor of God demands a response on your life. And you have two choices. You can kick back and say, I'm good. No, I'm good, y'all. Or you step forward and you say what Mary says. I'm here to serve. My life in your hands. But the favor of God demands a response. You may have not seen it coming, 
this may not be what you expected. Things may not be going your way right now. But when the favor of God rests on you, there's a resiliency that you carry with you that you can walk through it whatever is in front of you. And not just walk through it as if you're, you're bearing that burden, but that you walk through it with hope and you walk through it with grit and you walk through it with determination. And there's this level of resiliency that the Lord will give you to face down whatever is in front of you. But the favor of God demands a response in your life. Last thing I want to show you is this. Is this. It never leaves you. The favor of God will never leave you. The favor of God will never leave you. Will never, never, never leave you. It cannot. And I believe that there are some in this room and maybe connecting with us online that are like, no, 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 stop it. You don't know me. You don't know my life. You don't know the things that I've done. You don't know the things I shouldn't have done. You don't know where I've been, the choices I've made, the people I've hurt, my family that I've hurt, my friends that I've hurt, my kids that I have hurt. How can you say that the favor of God will never, never leave me? Well, let me be real clear. I think we have a very jacked up understanding about the favor, what the favor of God is. And we act like it's almost situational. That it's almost conditional in your life. We have this understanding that somehow has crept into the Christian church, the Christian culture that says, if I am in sin, the favor of God is not going to be on me. If I am uh, caught in destructive habits and an addiction, God's favor is not going to be on me. If I have made poor choices and I've stepped outside of God's best, his favor will not rest on me. And friends, that is a very damning understanding about what it means to carry the favor of God in your life. If you're walking in sin, that means that you're walking in sin. That's what that means. That you have settled for something that is less than God's best. If you are caught in a destructive lifestyle and habits and addictions, there probably needs to be some level of like confession and getting that out on the table because it has power when it hides in the darkness. And you bring it to the light and you say it's yours, but the destructiveness and the habits and the addictions are just that. It is very damning for us to think that the favor of God is somehow conditional. God's favor is always only on you. Always only on you. It never, never leaves you. How do I know that? I'll prove it to you. There's, there's, there's one clear thing. One clear thing that the scripture just thrusts us towards that shows the favor of God on us for all times. Look at what it says in First uh, John 4. It says this. This, brothers and sisters, is how God showed his love among us 
He sent his one and only son so that we might have life through him. Last week we talked about Romans 5.8. But God demonstrated his love for us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How do I know that the favor of God rests on you? Because he's given you his best. He has given you everything you need to thrive in life through his son, Jesus Christ. The, the gift that we receive this holiday season is a declaration for all time, for every day of your life, that the favor of God rests on you. He doesn't say, here's Jesus, I'm going to take him back. Here's Jesus, I'm going to take him back. Here's Jesus, I'm going to take him back. You're going you're to behave today, John? Favor of God. No. One time, for all time, the greatest gift that the world has ever known. The favor of God given to you. Last week, uh, we uh, celebrated communion together. And communion is this beautiful gift that Christ has given us to remember really who we belong to. And he steps forward on that night before he offers himself up and he says, here's my body, here's my blood given for you. What more proof do you need that the favor of God is resting on you than that? That he has given everything to you everything you need to thrive because he's given you his son, Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate declaration of God's favor on your life. There's really, friends, there's really only one question that we have to wrestle with. is How do you respond? Because the question now is not is God's favor on me, but the question is what will my step of joyful obedience actually be. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to sing one more time. And so uh, before we sing, I'm going to ask you to do something. And if you're new around here, this may be a little weird. It's fine. You'll be okay. Uh, But I'm going to ask you to, let's do this. Let's stand together. And let's just hold our hands out here like this, like we are Uh, kids at Christmas. Like we're just ready to receive this gift in our lives. And I'm just going to pray that in some sort of um, symbolic way that we would just grab on to this understanding of God's favor in your life. God's favor is for everybody, but make it personal. It's for you too. That God's favor on your life invites you to get up and to walk out whatever is in front of you and understand that the favor of God never, never, never leaves you because he's given you the greatest gift that the world has ever known and that is found in his son, Jesus Christ. So let's pray that together in just some sort of way. We'll receive that together. We're gonna sing one chorus this morning and then we'll close it down.